Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Today we get revenge for being called lazy. We'll get into that in a bit, but first, my friend and I made my horrible ex think we had slept together. My now ex-boyfriend M and I had broken up about one year ago when this happened. M was a very controlling and manipulative person. For context, my family congratulated me when he and I broke up. Throughout our two years together, I got to know one of his friends, Jay. Jay never liked M much, but they hung out together because of their mutual friends. About a year after M and I broke up, we went to an anime convention. It's a big convention in the area and everyone I know always goes there. M and Jay were also going. At the end of the night, there's a party with drinks and music. Think clubbing, but for geeks and weebs. Jay and I were hanging out near the back and M texted Jay to come to the front. Because they started playing Disney music, Jay and I decided to go outside for a smoke instead. M saw us leave while looking for Jay and texted him, It kind of bothers me how you and Avion walked off together. Here's where our petty revenge starts. Jay is a more laid back, taking no BS from anyone kind of person. Because M implied we were leaving something to be together, we decided to mess with him and talk back extremely vaguely. Are you guys having fun? Yeah, winky face. How much fun? Winky face. In reality, we were just chatting and talking about our lives for a bit since we hadn't seen each other in a while. I brought up the fact that I'd just gotten two kittens a few months ago. I showed him a couple of pictures, and when he was done melting, he came up with an idea. We decided to text M back that he had seen that cat. This set M off. He went to come look for us, and we avoided him like our life depended on it. Because of our mutuals at the convention, we heard from them that he ended up leaving. He took a cab home and accidentally left his wallet in there. We had a great time at the rest of the convention, and we didn't see him again. So, let me get this straight. They had been your ex for already a year at this point, and when this happened, they got, like, that jealous? Or were they upset more because they felt like they'd been totally ditched to have you go do that, and that was just kind of an uncool thing to do, I don't know. Also, hi, I'm Steven, and if you guys enjoy awesome stories of revenge, why not hit those like and subscribe buttons down below? That said, our next story is, owners decided they didn't need managers. I used to work for a pizza place. The owners of the restaurant, and it was a restaurant, albeit one with a lunch buffet, also owned seven or eight other pizza places. When I first started working there, I was still in college and got hired part-time as waitstaff. The place had an awesome manager and assistant manager who totally complimented one another and kept the place running tight and smooth without making it hateful for employees. It was a pretty fun place to work, and they gave a decent amount of free food to the people who worked there. I spent four years working there and worked my way up through literally every position, waitstaff, cook, shift leader, and assistant manager, and we kept the same manager and district manager who was a freaking jerk but very efficient at his job, and the place kept on humming along. By this time, I'm placing orders, doing inventory, and doing payroll and sales, so I know the place is profitable. The owner got married and the new couple went to a bunch of business conferences. 
You know, the ones where you and you and you can achieve your dreams. But opportunities are limited, so invest early. Suddenly, all of our expenses and sales are getting scrutinized. All of the managers are getting grilled on their decisions and effectiveness. The manager and assistant managers, who had an arrangement on who worked when, suddenly need to open and close all the time. It was clear that the owners were trying to flex on us. It didn't take long for the district manager, manager, and main assistant manager to leave. This was followed by a string of incompetent new managers that the owners brought in. One of them sexually harassed all the employees. The next was stealing employee overtime pay. They actually liked him, but he was also stealing from them, so another new manager was brought in. I stuck it out as long as I could and eventually took over as interim manager after the previous manager got busted selling drugs out of the restaurant. The owners couldn't make it to the restaurant for half a week, and I just jumped in and got everything done. And I stayed on my current hourly wage, working 55-hour weeks for two months before they sat down to talk salary. Anyhow, they offered me an insulting amount, $15,000 and 90s bucks, when I was currently making close to $30,000 hourly at $6 something an hour. They also insisted on the owner's husband shadowing me for a week to show me how to do the job properly, and he made everything take longer without making anything better. At the end of that week, I told him I couldn't do $15,000, and that he and the owner could have two weeks to talk about it, but I planned on leaving after that. And he was so absent-minded and condescending about it like it wasn't a big deal. Just another thing on his checklist. By now they had sold three of their stores, and the owner's husband was basically spending a week at each store before moving on to the next. Just getting in the way, and he was in a hurry to leave. He very much implied that I wouldn't get much, if any, raids. So I kept doing everything I was supposed to, but some things I didn't do quite properly. Like, I still did inventory and ordered appropriately, but I kept my records in a new notebook instead of the proper one. Same with payroll. During that whole two weeks, the only time I heard from the owner or her husband was when he called and asked me to schedule an oven cleaning night so he could see how that worked, but no mention of my raise. So I scheduled the oven cleaning for the night immediately following my last day. At the end of two weeks, I still hadn't heard from him, so I took my inventories and payrolls home the night before and worked my final shift, waiting for him to arrive for the oven cleaning. When he did, I asked him whether his wife had an answer about my salary, and he blinked. He'd completely forgotten to ask. So, I handed over my keys and told him good luck, and I walked out. He and his wife called me frantically that night, but again, absolutely no mention of a raise, just going off on me for disappointing them. Later, I got calls asking about paperwork, and I always told them a perfectly logical place where it should be, but of course, it wasn't there. And I was the last person at the pizza place who knew how to clean the oven, so I also got calls about that. I mentioned there was a manual somewhere, and again, suggested obvious places to look for it when there was no such manual. I offered to explain it to them over the phone, then immediately started droning on about safety protocols. They asked me to write it down, and I said sure, and I'll try to drop that off in a day or two, and I scheduled everyone for the week after, but I didn't post it. Just sent each person home with their individual schedule. I kept the paperwork, just in case there were legal issues, but there weren't. I managed to stretch out the idea that there was elusive paperwork to be found somewhere in that restaurant for almost three weeks before they stopped calling me. Without the paperwork, 
They had no real way to properly order anything, and they were forced to do an emergency inventory. But late, because they thought there was two weeks of actual inventory somewhere, there wasn't anyone else there who knew how to do these things either. So the owner and her husband got to experience a crash course in emergency restaurant management, and the oven broke down a few months later. I just don't understand people who are going to get into owning a business and then learn nothing about that business at all. Like, God forbid, something goes on with your staff and you could probably step in and help, but you have no idea how to run your restaurant? I guess at some point, if you just own it and you employ people to do the work for you, I suppose it's easy enough to at some point just fall out of the loop. Probably better than being too hands-on. Our next story is, I'll have what she's having. Another post reminded me of some petty revenge I got on a friend who liked to split the bill, so I thought I would share. It started out from working together above a small food court, where we would take turns buying lunch, then progress to lunches out and eventually dinners, mostly with the group of colleagues and occasionally one-on-one. Those lunches were always split evenly, but we never had drinks or anything too fancy. Over the years, the group changed and moved on, but the two of us lived in the same neighborhood and still worked in the same building, if not for the same department, so we would catch up over the occasional meal. After a while, I noticed we were all splitting the bill evenly, but I wasn't ordering drinks and appetizers and desserts, and she was. Of course, she'd offer me a bite of her cake or a shrimp from her cocktail, but not half. I commented on it eventually, and her response was what kicked in the petty revenge. Her answer to my comment was basically, We usually have the same thing, and I always share, so it's fair. I don't know why you would want to make the server do extra work. So my revenge was simple. The next time we went out to eat, I waited for her to order, and then I told the server, I'll have what she's having. I got a bit of a side eye, especially when I asked for a takeout container for my leftovers, and a big frown when the bill came. The second time she asked me to order first, I did. And then she ordered her usual extravagant meal. Before the server walked away, I said, Her order sounds really good, I'll have the same. This time, she suggested she might not have enough money to cover, so I suggested she drop the dessert and maybe not order the second drink. She frowned at me again and said, never mind. She had the audacity to complain that she usually doesn't spend that much. I just said, huh, weird. My bill's about the same, and that was that. She never invited me for a meal again, and when I invited her, she said she couldn't afford it. I still see her occasionally, and she's still bitter. So she literally started switching over to, well, I can't afford all that, because they don't want to split half of the bill. They got a little too comfortable with the idea that they get away with a good deal here because they didn't pay as much. Our next story is, the only time I've ever liked the PPA. I live in Philly and, like all good Philly residents, I hate the Philadelphia Parking Authority. My neighborhood has a lot of street parking, but it can be hard to find sometimes, especially later in the evening. When I moved into my house, I initially got pretty excited because there's always a car or two parked fully on the sidewalk along the side of my house. So I thought, oh sweet, I can just park on my sidewalk. This is almost as good as having a driveway. Not so. I parked there one time and got a ticket within 7 minutes, and yet somehow these same few cars park there all the time for hours and never get ticketed. That's deeply irritating to me given as I'm the one renting that sidewalk, but whatever. I'm a chill person. Ever since then, I've just found other places to park and kept my grudges to myself. This week, however, 
I'd put my trash and recycling out on the sidewalk for collection, as one does, and I was getting ready for work in the morning when I hear a grinding noise from outside. I looked out and saw one of the habitual sidewalk parkers blindly driving down the street and pushing my recycling bin in front of their car because they'd sideswiped the recycling bin while pulling out and decided to just take it with them. The bin ended up halfway down the block and the recycling went everywhere. Cans, broken glass, everything. Because I'm not a jerk and there are young children who live on my street, I went outside and did some damage control and picked up what I could, which made me late for work. I spent my whole commute to work imagining elaborate revenge fantasies like deflating their tires or egging their windshield, but then I realized I don't need to commit vandalism to get back at them. They're parking illegally. As it turns out, the PPA has a snitch line. So the next time I saw that car parked on my sidewalk, I dialed up my good friends at the PPA and gleefully informed them of a parking violation. Sure enough, a few minutes later, there was a ticket on the windshield of the car. Enjoy your $51 fine, jerk. How much do you want to bet that this guy's probably going to go do it again? If they're the kind of person that not only parks there, but once they hit a recycling bin they just speed up faster, they're probably lousy enough to park there again. Make sure they get another ticket. Our next story is Petty Revenge on a Beggar. Way back in the early 1990s, my dad had a friend that sold chips, potato chips, corn chips of every flavor imaginable. When he was unable to sell the chips by the sell-by date, he would give the chips to my dad with the understanding that my dad would feed the chips to the cows. My dad would bring home boxes of bags of chips and us kids would pick out what we liked and then feed the rest to the cows. There were a few green bags of dill pickle chips. I tried them and they were the nastiest chips ever. Anyway, I went to school in a tiny country school. My classroom was a portable classroom that held both the 7th and 8th grades together. There were only about 12 students in both grades together. One of the 8th grade boys was a mooch. Whenever someone had a snack, he always said, Can I have? But would never share when he had something. One day I brought a Ziploc baggie of those nasty pickle chips to school and while he was out of the classroom... I told the rest of the students about the chips. They all tried them and agreed that the chips were gross. So we set the baggie of chips on the table between us and pretended to eat them. When he walked in and saw the chips, he immediately said, Can I have some? And I said, Yeah, take as many as you want. And he took a huge handful and shoved it in his mouth and started chewing and then started gagging and then ran to the bathroom. The rest of us were just laughing. We could hear the water running and gargling. He came out cussing at us and I said, well, maybe you shouldn't be begging all the time. I mean, yeah, nobody likes a mooch when they don't share in return. Guess you gotta learn your lesson the hard way. This next story is, you stole all the hot cocoa. Not mine, but someone I knew. We'll call my friend Billy and our coworker Karen. Our work gives a monthly supply of hot chocolate and Billy loves drinking that crap. One day he came in and they were all gone. Not too long after, a refill too. Billy was asking around the office and found that the Karen of the office took them all. Billy said he wanted one. Well, you can ask for them and I'll give it to you, as if they belonged to her. My friend came into work super early for some extra hours, when he decided that he was going to break into her desk and cut open all of the bags. She still managed to use them, but never stole the entirety of our supply again. Shouldn't this have been, like, reported or something though? Cause like... 
How does this person get off thinking that they're just owning all of the hot cocoa now and going to act like it's just fine that they took all of it? I guess the only reason you might not want to report it is you might be afraid that they just stop supplying it all together because of bad behavior. This next story is, my dad didn't like our next door neighbor and 10 year old me took revenge. My next door neighbor was a huge jerk and started beef with my dad for dumb reasons. He would live his little dog outside all day and she would bark non-stop. It was the early 2000s, so not as unusual as that would be now, but my mom felt bad for the dog. My dad talked to my neighbor and let him know my mom could check on her two times a day to let her in and out or whatever, and the neighbor was offended. The neighbor also accused my dad of calling the city after the neighbor poured oil down the storm drain that feeds to a nearby lake. My dad didn't report him, but the neighbor was convinced he did. The neighbor also berated my dad whenever me or my friends or sister would accidentally get a ball in his yard. Anyways, my parents made me scoop our- Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Our dogs poo and bury it? Part of the deal of us having a dog was I'd help with her care. She was considerably bigger than our neighbor's dog and made strange and smelly poops because she would eat apples as they fell off our tree, her own poop, and rabbit poop. I didn't feel like burying the poop that day because I didn't want to dig a hole for it. So I started to pick up the poop with a shovel and launch them one by one over the side of our neighbor's fence. Luckily no one caught me. I heard him say, ew, his dog's name, as I was putting things away to play. He thought his dog did it, and I was off the hook. It's pretty funny to me still, especially knowing that jerk had to pick it all up and deal with it himself. Honestly, if I were that kid, I'd probably get used to the fact that they were starting to pick up that dog's poo too, and maybe make a habit as long as you don't get caught of flinging the poo over the fence. Our next story is, he told me to do something about it, so I sent him a glitter bomb. Okay, so I hope this story isn't too serious for the subreddit, but I'm feeling a bit delicious and petty and wanted to share. This story may also reveal a bit of my unhingedness. Okay, so many years ago, I was assaulted repeatedly by someone who I thought was a friend. I was underage, he was not, details, details. I'm connected to a good support system. I'm working through it. Still pretty ticked though. Anyways, I went no contact with him approximately six years ago. I know I have a few screws loose, but I recently created an anonymous social media account, creeped on his profile, and saw that he's married and living a seemingly wonderful life. 
I commented with my fake account something along the lines of, Name is an R-wordist. He wrote back saying I'm a coward and a liar and why don't I do something about it? So I mailed a glitter bomb to his house and paid for three times the glitter. You know, this is definitely good. I love imagining that they ripped this open and somehow managed to pour it all over the floor. But really, what would only make it better is if it was like a Mark Rober type situation where they just rip this thing open and it just goes poof all over the place. This next story is my coworker's revenge on me. Back when I first started in my industry, a friend of mine from uni landed a job at my company too. The place was four levels with an atrium in the middle. I was in the third floor and he was on the first floor, but I could see him from my desk. He didn't know this yet and he didn't know where I was seated. Anyway, so I let him get settled in for the morning. Then I anonymously messaged him, you could do this in our internal messaging system, Carl, fake name, meet me at my office immediately. I watched as he looked slightly panicked, looking around the office. Then he replies, sorry, who is this? And can I ask where your office is? I say, now, Carl, I don't have time for this. He started to look really panicked, then got up and walked into the atrium, turning around in circles, looking at the offices. I felt bad about now and waved down to him saying, now, Carl. Being the good-hearted guy he was, he laughed and mouthed, expletive, and I went back to work giggling. A few days later, I started hearing a very occasional and very high-pitched E-like beep in the office I shared with two others. It was very subtle, almost out of our hearing spectrum, to the point where you weren't sure if you were hearing it. But once I did accept I was really hearing it, it became more and more noticeable with each beep, and more and more irritating. The timing was unpredictable. Think 10 minutes between beeps, 30 minutes between, 2 minutes, 1 hour, etc. So I let it go for a while before I started to accept I might be going mad and asked the others if they heard it. They both looked almost relieved and said they had and it was driving them mad too. So we started looking around the office, pulling shelves apart, emptying drawers, pulling pictures down. I even sat outside the office for a few hours to make sure it wasn't coming from outside. It wasn't. We also timed the beeps all day to see if we could find a pattern. No pattern. It seemed completely random. The following day, we got serious and started pulling apart our PCs one at a time. We were all looking a bit wild-eyed at this point. Eventually, as I'm sure you've guessed, Carl arrived at the office, laughing at us sitting on the floor with our PCs in pieces, and told us he'd taped this small evil noise device under a shelf. He said he would have left it longer, but our boss thought it had gone on long enough. Touché, Carl. This takes me back to my high school days where, if you've ever heard the mosquito noise or the mosquito buzz, it's this really high-pitched sound that's almost out of the hearing spectrum, and supposedly you have to be a certain age to still be able to hear it. So, of course, the teacher, who's a little bit older, isn't going to be able to hear this thing. And so every so often, you can't tell who, but somebody would have this video or whatnot on their phone, and you could just hear that very very light sound and it's annoying going off every now and then and all the kids will complain but the teacher has no idea what's going on this next story is you're right i'm lazy this is my first time posting this happened 20 plus years ago i worked for the family business repiping mobile homes because i wasn't married and didn't have kids my buddy and i were the out of town crew the only out of town crew we traveled all over the state A typical week would consist of 10 houses over 5 days, 2 a day, Monday to Friday. 
That was the requirement. 10 houses must be plumbed a week. No exceptions. We had a backlog of work. After my buddy got good, we could easily plumb two houses in six to seven hours. The other crews typically took 10 hours for two houses. Since we were paid by the house, it didn't matter how fast or slow you were, so long as you did 10 houses a week. I've always hated working five days a week, so we decided each Monday morning to look at our work orders and rearrange the schedule so we did two houses Monday, travel time getting to the first job, three on Tuesday and Wednesday, and then two on Thursday, leaving us all day Friday to sleep in, explore whatever town we were in, and enjoy a three-day weekend. This went on for some time until my girlfriend wanted to go out of town for a three-day weekend. So we finished Thursday, drive to the shop, dropped off my van, and left for the weekend. Friday afternoon, I get a call. It's the boss. Boss says, where are you? I say, New York. The boss, obviously confused. New York? What do you mean? I say, I'm currently in New York City. What's up? Lots of confused questions and snarky answers back and forth. He says, why did you cancel your Friday jobs? Is something wrong with your van? It's at the shop, so it must be running. I say, I didn't cancel any jobs. Boss, now more confused by how I did 10 jobs in 4 days than how I was in New York without their knowledge. How did you do 10 jobs in 4 days? I decided it would be easiest to tell them that I've been doing this for a while. He's ticked. He's absolutely furious that I've been claiming my per diem in hotel while not working Fridays. Sunday night turns into a lecture of how I should be doing more for the business. I remind them we're the only crew that goes out of town. He tells me from here on out, I'm doing 13 jobs a week. I ask if the other crews will be expected to do the same, considering they all work locally. Nope, just me. So I plan the revenge. I tell my cousin to schedule our next week in the city furthest away, about a 5-hour drive. We were normally only scheduled 9 jobs for that city, as the first day the drive took up so much time. No need to remind anyone of that, the number is 13 this week, so we head out Monday. No changes, no tweaks, just do what's scheduled. Obviously, we can't do two on Monday. Half our day was spent driving. It didn't help that we weren't exactly rushing, so around 4, we call the office and tell them to call the customer. We won't be able to get to them. The customer is furious and asks when they'll get rescheduled. No idea. Not my problem. I'm not supposed to reschedule jobs anymore. Fast forward to Thursday, while finishing job number 10, we call the office and inform them we're out of material. No pipe, no fittings, no wholesale house to go to, nothing. Please tell the boss to bring us more. I get a call from the boss. What happened? I say the van can only hold 10 jobs worth of material. That's the way you set it up. They say, can't you go to X and get more pipe? I say that's two hours away each way, we'll have to cancel another job. Plus, they charge double what we pay in town. He says, why didn't you say you couldn't do 13 jobs? I say, I did. You said I was being lazy. He says, I thought you meant you didn't want to do 13 jobs, not that the truck couldn't hold enough material. I say, I didn't want to do 13. You set the trucks up, it's your truck. Boss unhappily says, I'll meet you at your first job at 7 a.m. Me with a smile you can hear over the phone. See you in the morning, boss. After spending the night loading a van and leaving at 2 a.m. to bring me material, an exhausted boss drops off pipe and fittings at 7. I say, hey, do you want to help knock out the Monday job we canceled or do you want us to stay another night? Hotel, per diem. We went back to 10 jobs a week after that.
I mean, to be fair, probably should not have claimed per diem on a day you're not actually working. But I would say, if anything, in this situation, OP messed up by admitting to it. They should have just said that we worked really fast that week and had an extra day off. Why rat yourself out and get you in hot water and, yeah, enable them to say, well, if you can get so many jobs done in so short time, you tell your employer something like that and they're gonna love to double your workload. Our next story is examples of how I've gotten petty revenge as a chef. I'll start by saying, I take my career in food safety very seriously. Even if I was livid over a customer, I would never do anything gross, dirty, harmful, etc. to their food, and I would shut down someone else trying to. I prefer my revenge to be petty, but noticed. The restaurant I work in is located in an upscale area. As a result, our customer base is full of entitled, elitist, insufferable people most days. If you have a problem with your food, that's fine. But if you're a jerk or being petty, you'll get served by Chef Petty, the king of petty. The crouton debacle. This pair of older women came in, were immediately rude to the hostess and server from what I was told, so the server came to give me a heads up that they seem like a problem. Sure enough, they each start with a Caesar salad and send it right back. Their reason? Some of the croutons were big and some were small, and they'd like croutons that were all roughly the same size. Heard. I put the new salads in the window. One had equal-sized, very large croutons. One had equal-sized, very small croutons. Like, smaller than a sugar cube. Apparently, they learned not to be petty, because they shut up and ate them. In a pickle over pickles, we had a gentleman come in and order one of our burgers. He said, extra, extra, extra pickles. We normally do three, so each extra was three more, twelve total. When it went to his table, he said he wanted more. I gave him three more. He sent it back. At this point, it was time to shut this crap down. I took off all the pickles and scooped through the pickle bucket to find 20 to 25 of the smallest slices I could, all about dime-sized. Loaded his burger up and it didn't come back. For reference, his original 12 pickle order was more than these 20 to 25 pickles. Could I get some more onions? This regular always comes in and orders her burger with an obnoxious amount of onions. Normally we do two rings. She always initially asks for about 30, no kidding. Then proceeds to send the server back three to four more times for a small plate of about 15 more. It's disgusting. One day we were busier than usual when she tried to pull this. Rather than have to keep stopping to accommodate her, I took the biggest red onion we had, pushed it through the slicer, didn't separate the rings, and put the entire onion on her plate. The server laughed her butt off when the lady left because she didn't touch any of the onion. Apparently, she took great joy in making the server run back and forth, and that was a buzzkill for her. What am I supposed to do with this? We had a regular nightly customer place the same order for pickup 15 minutes before close every night for four months straight. We hated her because she treated all staff she dealt with like crap, made ridiculous demands, then no matter what, would send it all back to be refired even though nothing was ever wrong with the order. One particular thing she'd do is order six shrimp pasta dishes and request three additional portions of shrimp for each one. But she didn't want the shrimp on top like it comes, she wanted it on the side. No big deal, other than how she wanted it. She didn't want it all together. She didn't even want the four total portions for each order together. Nope. 
She wanted each of the four portions for each of the six orders separately packaged. That takes a long butt time to do, way more than necessary, all because she gets off on being difficult. So I wasn't having it one night, we knew she was coming, so all total I knew I needed 288 shrimp, which she got, individually packaged in 288 ramekins. She was ticked. She said, what am I supposed to do with this? GM said, make sure they're all there. So she proceeded to count 288 ramekins as I watched from the kitchen with a grin. After that, she had no problem allowing us to start packaging it the way it was made to be, and even started tipping, then eventually stopped coming. Wins all the way around. I think you either have to be really hungry or not have much of a conscience to regularly order 15 minutes before closing. Shoot, I feel bad ordering a pizza from a pizza place an hour before closing. Also, it sounds like OP had bubble baths from different dimensions visiting all the time, even the pickle one. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now, if you want to hear another awesome revenge story, check out that video on the left. Or if you missed my latest video, check out that video on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 